My name is Mary Grace, and you're listening to the Homebody Podcast. Here, we explore what it means to practice embodiment, which is practicing home inside our own selves and also within our wider body, which is the earth. These spiritually and artfully minded conversations center healing, magic, astrology, intuition, art, wellness, creativity, social and environmental justice as the practices that help us witness more relationship, meaning, and purpose. We are here to approach life as a conscious process, and my hope is to enliven you, encourage you to hone your intuition, connect to your own center, so together we can cultivate more wisdom and self-trust and be dynamic agents of beauty, people who are fully awake and with our power intact. We're here to be more intentional as we approach the creation and caretaking of life, and we are here to make room for inquiry, sensitivity, and joy. Thank you for listening. Greetings, everyone. Happy 2021. I hope that everyone had a good new year. I hope you were able to get some rest, and I hope that you're also able to maybe tiptoe into some of the expectations of this year and that you're being really gentle with yourself. I can definitely personally feel a shift with Saturn getting out of the same sign with Pluto and Jupiter having a little bit more wiggle room to kind of help and make more space for us. That would be cool if Jupiter's name was Judo, but it's not. If you missed last week's episode, I recorded a guided meditation to help serve your sense of expansion as we come into this new year and centering your heart within that transition. And there's been some really beautiful feedback from it, so I hope it serves. And if you missed it, maybe go back and check it out to see how it fits for you and your practices. We officially kicked off our kin community earlier this week, and I could not be more excited, more honored to be sharing space and learning and creating with a just more incredible, lovely group of people. So it's closed for now, but if you'd like to be the first to know when we open the doors again in May, then you can sign up to be on the wait list at the link below. And be sure to also get your prompts for this month's astrology and energy and some of the cards that I pulled for the month. Those are free. They're a gift for listeners, and you can access them at the link below to serve as a simple, um, though beautiful guide to navigating some of what's going on this month. Normally, every other week is a solo episode when we're in a normal structure. Um, Today, however, I'm going to be covering a little bit more ground. I normally share about two weeks of the upcoming transits and going a little deeper. Um, However, the next two weeks, I'm going to be sharing some guest episodes that I'm really excited about just to fill my cup back up a little bit since I've been doing a lot of solos lately. So I'll be packing a little bit more into this episode as far as covering transits and then we'll be back to our regular alternating schedule towards the end of the month with the full moon happening in Leo. The cards that I pulled for the month of January just keep talking to me and they were talking rather loudly as I sat down to outline this episode so I'm going to speak to them a bit here um, as well as to some of the, the headliner transits for the next couple of weeks. I also have a channeled message for this time towards the latter end of the episode. So 
I hope you'll stay tuned for that. So for January, I pulled the Ace of Pentacles plus the High Priestess, which I think is really beautiful, right? And they've just been sitting with me for the past couple of weeks. And these cards were very much medicine to me for some of the kind of bumpy astrology that's going on this month. And we start with the Ace of Pentacles, really just sitting here in this like beautiful duo. And when I look at it, it just seems to say new earth, new earth, new earth. And I love the aces. They are very cardinal using astrology terms. And with this the God hand coming out of the sky and handing us the purity, the essence of an element and saying, here, embark, go on your journey, make something with this, experience it. The aces also remind me of the Shaktiput or the Shaktipada experience that I briefly mentioned in last week's episode, this sort of epiphany or revelation or grace falling from the sky. And astrologically speaking, we have a lot of earth like being remade and reimagined. We have, you know, the rubble of Capricorn from last year's transits. And we also have the long transit of Uranus happening through Taurus, which is about to get super activated um, this year and definitely this month. So we have a lot of earth that is remaking. And as always in a creative process, you know, we have opportunities and invitations to try new things, make new structures, even as we allow them to shape us in return. And with this, I want to also propose or reinforce the value of experimentation, of sitting in uncertainty of that moment before we're deciding things or just trying things. Maybe we're always just trying things and letting that process speak to us and inform what we're choosing, what we're doing and inform it in real time. Because earth moves slowly because, you know, one its primary functions are more towards stability and fertility it's a supportive structure. And I think experimentation and openness to new ideas within the process of stabilizing, you know, life is a creative process. And so this experimentation, this trying and listening is a really important component, I think, in this remaking process and what we're going to do with this element being handed to us out of the sky. So I think this will also help us understand and sort of meet the dynamics that we have happening this year between air and earth as well, where this experimentation is meeting the stability. We have Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius, and then we also have the North Node in Gemini. For most of this year, we'll have all the Mercury retrogrades happening in air this year. So there will be a lot of review and combining and potentially um, bumping heads of these energies. And I think when we can approach it from a creative lens, from an experimental lens, and letting it feed us as we go, instead of pre-deciding what's going to happen and what our resolutions are and sticking to it at all costs, I think we can really enjoy and embark on a new process. You know, at least in my creative practice, like failure, agility in our ideas is something that's really valuable. You're not just wrong just because something didn't work out the way you thought it was going to, right? You've got some information. Uh, For me, I've been in, um, when making a dance, I've been in rehearsal so many times. We're like, well, that sucks. Like (laughs) everyone did everything perfectly and it was just not a good idea. And so like, let's not do it again. Moving on, moving through or taking that little bit that you liked and then tossing the bit that didn't. Um, 
you know, we have a lot of fixed energy and activation this year with Aquarius and Taurus are both fixed signs. And so their movement, their aspects between one another and also within themselves will in some way be activating all of the fixed signs. And fixed, the gift of fixed is endurance, resilience. You know, once it gets going, then it's going, but it may be resistant towards trying a new way in the beginning, simply because its internal motor is already on some other fixed path already. So there can be an inertia to it, but once it gets moving, it has a committed pace or a stability to what it's doing. So I like the idea of opening up these earths, right? These areas of our chart in our world to creative process, to trying, to failing, to improving upon, to a sense of ongoing evaluation, to a sense of being willing to be back at the beginning of new earth and receiving the new earth over and over again, whenever we need to. And There's a a stance that happens a lot in our political climate, this sense of like high polarization where it's like, I voted for this person, therefore they're always right and I overlook their faults, their bad decisions and their corruption simply because I'm committed or I'm fixed on this party or this person or blah, 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 whatever. Um, Other ways that this overfix or this kind of resistance to experimenting can show up as, you know, I said this, this is what I'm doing, or this is what my business is, it's about this, and um, I've already said how I'm going to do things, and I have to stick to it. Um, An experimentation would just kind of throw the questions back in there, like, is it working? Do you like it? Why can't you change it, right? Um, Sometimes it can show up for us at the new year of like, I made a resolution about this, and I made a goal, and I have to stick to it. Um, But if it's, you know, maybe if it's not working, it doesn't mean that you're not sticking hard enough, right? Maybe it's like, well, what if the approach changes? What if the goal changes? What if it's not a resolution at all? Or maybe can we make a practice of coming back to new earth, of receiving new earth, of taking pause to call in and participate in this epiphany of new earth that is an ongoing experiment and we can allow it to move and to change trajectory as we go and embark on it as a creative process because life is a creative process. It also is a mode that can show up in our relationships when we're resistant to this experimentation. We commit to things for the sake of committing to them. You know, if we've been friends with someone for 18 years and I just have to show up for them, I must and I can't let them down. But if that relationship doesn't feel good or if it's not working or if they're taking advantage to you, I don't know that there is a lot of inherent value and loyalty or committedness for simply the sake of it, right? What is the earth of this structure making? Where can you allow in a new structure, a new experiment, receive a new pot of dirt to remake the garden? Because your earth is valuable and your endurance is valuable, your loyalty is super value. The things that you are committed to and are looking towards, that is such a valuable energy that you're putting forth in your life. And so I think it's also valuable to allow them to be flexible when needed, to allow them to be adjusted, evaluated, and created anew when it's time. Maybe that's something that's happening in January. Maybe it's something happening every three months or every other week, or it can just be an ongoing perpetual process. And in regards to the high priestess, 
this queen of the inner realm, the mystery realm, the behind the veil, beyond the veil, the flow of the river between this world and the other world. What if our experiments regarding our new earth came from our river channel between this world and the other? What if we tended to this inner realm and created structures that support its flow? I don't know about you, but I can sometimes catch myself in this either-or zone. I can either tend to my inner intuitive being, or I can take action in the outer world. But priestesses tend to do both, right? Priestesses guard and guide that which is sacred and that which is in their domain, and they're taking action within this domain, with water, we have some, some different priorities and different principles. Water is a powerful element, and when it's allowed to build and gather and collect. So if you have a lot of water in a container, then it's going to pour out more forcefully, more powerfully than if there's just a little bit of water. And I think a lot of us treat our high priestess part of our life sometimes like the container with the low water, right? We fill it up a little bit at a time, and then we're already pouring it out so that we never quite fully get to experience whatever that true flow is, that true build of energy that allows us to pour out powerfully and with a greater sense of ease. And part of this is because our culture has a lot of expectations on us that we become fiercely output, output, output all the time. Um, And otherwise, we're afraid if we're not doing that, or the expectation is that if we're not outputting all the time, then we'll get lost, we'll become invisible, no one will know who we are, that we can't do our work, or we'll become irrelevant. You know, social media, for me, is an example of a huge pressure in that area, where just always having to give and give and give and put out, and it's one of the top reasons that I deleted it. So with this high priestess invitation, like where can we become more fiercely priestess, right? And actually tend to these channels of creativity and insight and flow like it is sacred work, like it is necessary work, and also tend to it like it is the source of this powerful flow that your life can have. Where can we guard that If we know that our pitcher isn't full yet, then we're not ready to pour out yet. Where can we, where is that a structure that we can be committed to in some way or experiment with in some way? Many of us don't, we don't even know how full our container can get because we've never experienced that level of fullness. But what if that priestess guardianship, those priestess duties, that sacred filling of our mystery river is a way that we get to build new earth and a way that our new earth can make structures that support this flow? I think they can work together. Earth and water are both yin, or the principle of the feminine. So what if we were less about the the ceaseless targeted action and more about the intuitive dance that helps us be in the modes that we want to be in the world, right? Those can serve new structures, and new structures can serve this flow. So how do we want to feel, and how can we practice the things that support these feelings, these modes, this filling of the container and only pouring out when I'm ready, when it's full, when it's going to pour out powerfully. And maybe that can be an experiment that we're working with this year or this month or when it serves. 
And I want to take that consideration into as we overview some of the the headline transits happening this month, that maybe that sense of experimentation in service of greater freedom as we move the earth gently with our water and vice versa. Um, I think that approach and that listening and those priestess duties and that guardianship, that tending, I think that can serve us well as we go through some of the bumpy rides happening over the next couple of months. So we had some major astrological shifts in December, and we are living into the effects of those right now. I did two podcast episodes back in December around the solstice that were that were long form. They were talking about some of these big transits in a more comprehensive way. So you can pop back and catch those if you missed them, because I think they, they help provide some context for this year and some of the, the tectonic shifts that we're seeing the effects of and that we're living into. You know, when we have these really major foundational shifts happening, it's not necessarily instantly like the world is super different, right? But they are the beginning of these shifts. We get inklings of them before we see them full-blown and flowering. And January and February are going to introduce us to some of the main interactions and personalities that 2021 holds. So let's talk through some of those. On Wednesday, January 6th, which is was the day before this episode comes out, uh, we have Mars moving into Taurus. And this is a big move because Mars has been in Aries since the end of June 2020. So we've all gotten the opportunity to get to know the Aries part of our charts very, very well in the past six months. And Mars moving into Taurus is setting us up for a couple of stories. It is setting us up for the final episode um, of squares between Mars and Saturn. It's kind of like the, the third episode of the trilogy, if you will, of Mars losing to Saturn and getting defeated in his martial modes as he tries to stand up to the weightiness and relentless bureaucracy of Saturn. If you'll remember a lot of my episodes towards the fall, etc. of last year were like, this is a year to be like Saturn because Saturn is really is set up to win this face-off, if you will, between the two of them. Mars is not as resourced in Taurus. Taurus is heavy and slow to Mars, so we may experience more challenge to the Mars-ruled parts of our charts or experience less assertive decision-making or less clarity in our cuts. And overall, you know, we may feel less uh, boost in our courageous confidence. And like I said earlier regarding fixed signs, you know, Mars and Taurus could be capable of sustained, persistent effort, perhaps hard to get moving initially, but once they are moving, it's like this boulder rolling down the hill. It's really hard to stop. So another part of Mars moving into Taurus is that Uranus is also in Taurus, and Uranus is a main character that we have in 2021. The way I was describing it in our kin videos for this month is that, you know, Mars entering this sign with Uranus is sort of like lighting your cigarette in a cave full of fireworks. It can potentially um, get chaotic, to say the least, right? And this is a key fingerprint of January. And like I said, Uranus is also a, a, one of the main personalities that we'll see this year. The fireworks do go off in the cave, and so it's a good idea, I think, in general to make sure that we're near water, that we're not setting ourselves up to get burned, that we um, are not leaving unnecessary fires burning, right? Mars will conjunct Uranus exactly on January 20th, and that is the date when these fireworks will go off. 
So it feels potentially disruptive, aggressive, messy. On the 20th, when that happens, the moon will also be moving through and passing through this conjunction at the same time. And that tends to translate very directly these energies and actions very directly to the people in our everyday experience. So for me personally on the 20th, um, I think it's not a day to be involved in large crowds of things. There will be angst. There will be um, aggressive action and demands. There could be potentially some constructive truth to them. There may not. Um, remember, Mars is not super strong here. So Another image I used in our kin videos this month was like, it's like being this, you know, martial, strong, powerful animal in the jungle, but then you've been unleashed in the middle of the city where all that power and strength can be misplaced and potentially do some damage. So it will likely be a day that we see social media get crazy or blow up, so to speak. Um, and I'm hoping that on the 20th, the presence of Jupiter and Aquarius can help, you know, whatever goes off on that day to be worked towards something that's constructive in the end. So we will likely see a lot of conflict play out in the wider sphere of the world and culture. And on a personal level, I think we can be just prepared to be disrupted and surprised. <laughs> and so backing up a little bit after talking about kind of this Mars Uranus story, um, we also have Mercury entering Aquarius. So that's happening on Friday, January 8th, tomorrow, if you're listening to this, the day the episode comes out. Mercury is also going to go retrograde in Aquarius later on this month as their Mercury is retrograding in all of the air signs this year. So pay attention to what comes up for you while Mercury is trucking along here, especially January 15th to the 29th, because this is the landscape that Mercury is going to go back over a few more times due to that retrograde. So these are tasks, ideas, communications, learnings that may get reviewed or gone back over in February. For me, it's helpful to think of, you know, Mercury has just gone through the sign of Capricorn where potentially they were taking stock of like what has happened, gathering the data, the information, assessing the rubble of what has been going on. And now Mercury entering Aquarius is sort of helping us learn about, well, what are we going to do from here, right? What did Jupiter and Saturn want to accomplish here in Aquarius? What are their plans? How do we communicate what those plans are? How do we execute them? And they're in the mix kind of organizing the information and the things that we need to know. And on the same day that Mercury enters Aquarius, on the 8th, later on that evening, Mercury is going to square Mars. So that's this is the first of three that will happen, and it creates a ripe stew for like conflict or cutthroat communication is a phrase that I've been enjoying. And it could facilitate circumstances where we have to take decisive action, rock the boat, or say courageous things regarding what we care about. So if if there's an invitation to get involved in conflict of some kind, if it's not something that you want to fight about for the next couple of months, then I would maybe take a deep breath before engaging with it um, because Mercury will square Mars a couple more times after this. So it's a topic that's going to be revisited. And so if it's not something you want to fight about for a couple months, maybe it's better to dispel the heat in some other way. 
And then Mercury will quickly move through a conjunction with Saturn on the 9th and a conjunction with Jupiter on the 11th. So on the 9th, you know, Mercury is speaking about what are the committees thinking about or setting up? What what are the bureaucracies promising us? Where What dutiful tasks are we undertaking? What responsible commitments, weighty messages? Um, what things are we holding up with our speech? And then when Jupiter and Mercury conjunct a couple of days letter is a sense of like, you know, the big picture, the big vision, the broad perspective, the big promises, letting the world know what the big plan is. So it could be helpful to do some big picture thinking or envisioning and really getting some being able to go back and forth between the big and the small. What do I need to serve this big vision and vice versa? That could be a way that this could serve on a personal level. On the 12th, the day after that, Mercury's moving very quickly through all of these. Mercury will square Uranus. And so it's happening rather closely to um, the day after Mercury gets conjunct with Jupiter. So I feel like, you know, we'll see definitely some activation in the social media or the technology communication platforms. And, you know, asking us like, where are we provoked by innovation or surprise or disruption? What are the new ways we can think about doing these things, that experimental questioning mindset, and potentially open up to changes to the ways that we're communicating and the actions that we're taking around it, Um, potentially a lot of um, some disruptive messages or revolutionary rhetoric, things of that sort. On the 13th, we have the new moon in Capricorn, and it's happening right at midnight on Eastern Standard Time, so the day technically that it's happening will be different depending on your time zone and where you live, and it's kind of a doozy. There's a lot of things happening around it. The new moon is happening conjunct Pluto, which is fun. And then uh, within a few hours, Mars will square Saturn for that third time, right? The the final episode of the trilogy where Mars is finally defeated in the face of Saturn's heavy, heavy hand. So with the Mars square Saturn, it may be a wrapping up of some stories or conflicts or actions that were taken or arose at the be- the end of August or now kind of coming to a completion in some way. With the new moon conjunct Pluto, it's in Capricorn. It's it's not a moon that I think will feel very good. Um, personally, it's not one that I'm going to be like initiating new things um, or embarking on new prospects, at least not on purpose. The moon in Capricorn is a bit encumbered and can get worked too hard without getting its needs met. And with it happening conjunct Pluto, I think that makes it additionally a little less fun um, by adding this intensity or an obsession-like quality, an underworld quality, one that is likely to have a sense of catharsis connected to some form of like transformation or secrets and shadows. So again, because we have Mars square Saturn on the same day, I think it's a day to stay out of Mars-like actions. Um, because they will likely not be met with success. So there will be things sown in secret here. I think we'll see some, you know, births or desires coming to rise around control, um, which have been increasingly becoming conflated with technology in a lot of ways. And on a personal level, I think it can be a moon for meeting our underworld moments and our underworld selves and tending to them. And make it, it may not feel easy to give them what they need, but I think 
it is still a useful and worthy task, right? If we think of this nighttime high priestess tending to this <laughs> this hungry moon in the Capricorn sign on top of Pluto, like where how can we give if the moon is trapped underground in this moment, how what do we need to do to give the moon what she needs, right? And be extra kind to ourselves and extra kind to our journeys and just give yourself space. I think if anything else, what I would do for the new moon is just leave yourself some space to feel the way that you feel, do what you need to do and know there there may be a tendency to overdo it, overwork, become encumbered, become a little too obsessive, go down a little too deep or whatever. Maybe there's no two at all. Maybe there's not too much of anything. Maybe it's all perfect and it's all happening for you. And where can you bring your attention and your grace and your tending of the priestess to this moment? On Sunday, January 17th, Jupiter is squaring Uranus, which I think will call for radical revolutions, calling for big change, right? And Uranus is here to shake things up, and Jupiter's like, yes, let's do it. And it will, again, have sometimes can have a disruptive or shocking quality. And I think it's possible that whatever these, what Jupiter says yes to on this day, that's amplifying this radical, um, bend or message or demands from Uranus, I think that will show us some of potentially what Saturn and Uranus will spend the rest of the year fighting about. On that same day on the 17th, a few hours later in the afternoon, the sun will enter Aquarius. The sun here being, you know, really oriented towards principles of equality and the good of the collective over the good of the individual. And conceiving, I think the sun here can be challenged because it's Aquarius can be so oriented towards other and towards the collective that it ignores the individual and the personal. The sun being this transiting representative of the heart or the soul. So bringing this invitation to do the bit of extra work to really conceive with our hearts and not just with our heads. And I think potentially the sun's transit through Aquarius will be a beacon for what this new era wants to be about, what it means about our identities and our orientations and the torches of leadership. So it'll be interesting to see what it highlights and what it shows us. And a few days later is the 20th where we have Mars conjunct Uranus at about 3.30, 3.40 in the afternoon on Eastern Standard Time. And I spoke about that earlier. I think it's a day to lay low, be, you know, be near the water, not necessarily physically actual water, but the high priestess water really, and to tend to that which is preserving you, that which is healing for you and to connect to the own channels of your own source to be your own source so that with that you can really see clearly what is going on see clearly what is your role and what is not your role and to find peace around what that is because serving the alignment of that and not necessarily always sacrificing self for the collective or sacrificing self for other but finding the the beneficial the mutual alignment between self and other self and collective 
I think there's some magic that can happen there. And that just because there is conflict, just because there are disruptions don't necessarily mean that they are yours specifically. They might be, but they might also not be. And so I think it's a time to really tune into our intuition, our alignment, our hearts, and stay stay connected to those sources so that we know how to navigate those fields for us and for ourselves, which will be also for the highest good. So we're going to move now into a channeled message for this time. So I want to invite you into a place where, you know, you can receive this as a meditation or receive it as inspiration. As always, take what is helpful and ignore what is not helpful, right? What are the structures that protect your own sacred high priestess temple? So if you're able to be still, if you're able to be mindful for a moment, if you're able to put yourself in a position of receivership and connecting to your own voice along with my voice, I think that is where the most beautiful mergers can happen. So I'd invite you to take a deep breath and exhale. Share the new earth. Create the new earth from inside your heart. We get so tired and so worn out and so burned out that we just want the world to come to us. But what if the modes are not serving? What if we changed the way we were operating so that we made the world around us, about us, like being the sun, which is light, and it centers its universe to revolve around its light in its warmth, everything orbits around its light and its warmth, and so can you be. When you create the world from your light instead of trying to make the world work for you, bending your light, so to speak, so that you're reflecting in and out of shapes, that don't complement, that don't create, and that don't support all of the radiance that you have to offer, all of the warmth, all of the creative, sustaining power and energy that you have. It will never work. You cannot fit into a universe that wasn't made for you. And of course, within the actual universe, the multiverse, the omniverse, Things are weaving and interweaving for you and with you and around you all the time. But within the structures, if we treat the structures around us that feel oppressive, that don't work, if we treat those as if they are the omniverse, then we will burn out and then we will not succeed and we will wonder why we're tired and not succeeding. But when we become the light of the sun, when we become the sun, 
and create the world around us. Then we feel the warmth, we feel the flourishing, we feel the energy, we feel the radiance. It is saying yes over and over and over and over again to your own light and to your own alignment, which is pulling the universe, your universe, around you, your sun. And we must say yes to this. We must bow to that sun inside of us. We must bow to that heart inside of us. And we must honor what it asks us to do. Otherwise, we cannot and we will not create new worlds, new systems. If we continue to bow to that which oppresses us, we cannot, we will not create new worlds, new systems. Bow to the sun inside of you. to the light inside of you. Feed it. Nurture it. Do what it asks. Say yes to it. It doesn't have to make sense because often what makes sense is from the paradigm and from the maps of that which actually doesn't work for us. It doesn't have to make sense. We can teach our internal sense of logic and what works and what doesn't. We can reteach that. We can build new paradigms and create new understandings when we say yes to the sun, which is our heart, which is the sun. And that is where your true creative potential lies. And the more you feed it, the brighter. It gets the wider it gets, the more powerful it gets. You are not small. You are the sun. You are not small. When we say recenter the heart or say yes to the sun, which is your heart, We're saying that it is your most precious cargo on this journey of life. Without it, there is no light, there is no direction, there's no wind in the sails. There's no meaning filling up the actions, the things that we go about our days doing. And we want the wind in our sails because then we don't have to row as hard, and we have space for new ideas. We have space to take in the joy of exploring and experiencing the worlds we're making, the worlds we're in, and how beautiful the world is and can be. We want space to honor the joy, to have the joy, honor the making. Honor your continual making and remaking Just because something worked and now it doesn't, doesn't mean that that thing was incorrect. It means you are continually in the making and remaking. Who you are is not static. The sun is not static. Stillness is not the same thing as static.
honor your light. Make it the first thing you do when you wake up. Honor your light. Pause throughout the day. Honor your light. Is what you're doing honoring your light. You are continually making and remaking. Do not be afraid of the wind in your sails. Practice moments of the wind in your sails and what it feels like to be okay when you're not rowing the boat up a hill of dry land. Feel how it's okay for something else to push you, to guide you, and to be okay. Align with the wind, and the wind will push you. You don't have to make the wind, you just have to align with it. You are the sun, and you are the wind. You don't have to make them, you just have to align with them. You don't have to always like what they have to say, but I think you should honor them. them teach you about where they're blowing, about the light and the warmth that they're giving, and then eat the sun, blow in the wind. Hey, beautiful. If you've listened to any of the podcasts, you've probably definitely heard me read some Joy Harjo on here because she's one of my favorite poets. And this one was sent to me this week by my friend Anika, and I really appreciate it. I've read it before, but it just wasn't on my radar at the moment. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. I love it. So thank you, Anika, for sending it to me and for reminding me of it. And I'm going to share it here. This is Remember by Joy Harjo. Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the stars' stories. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn that is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth, how your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father. He is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are, red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth, we are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life who all have their tribes, their families, their histories too. Talk to them, listen to them, they are alive poems. Remember the wind, remember her voice, she knows the origin of this universe Remember, you are all people, and all people are you. Remember, you are this universe, and this universe is you. 
Remember all is in motion, is growing, is you. Remember language comes from this. Remember the dance language is that life is. Remember. (sighs) So I hope that that serves and is maybe something that can be a reminder, a remembering, a remaking of the earth that builds your high priestess temple this month as we go through the fireworks and the the change that is coming through into us this month. So I hope you'll grab your free prompts at the link below. And you can also feel free to hop into our private group. Um, There are aspects of it that are totally free where you can collect and ask questions and meet others and share experiences and let us know what comes up for you this month. May you be the high priestess in a field of fireworks. May you follow the river that you have built up in your boat in the wind. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, please leave us a five-star rate or review, subscribe to the show, and share the episode with someone else who would enjoy it. Be sure to check out the links below the episode in the notes for more information about anything that we talked about on the show, free resources, and also how you can join our free group where you can talk about the episode with other like-minded folks. Thank you for being here. Peace. Peace.